And today, uh, I'm excited because we're going to begin a brand new Christmas series message. We always call our Christmas series here at Liberty Christmas at Liberty, and we really try to create Lord, not, not, not just, uh, we try to create an environment where the presence of God and the power of God and the Word of God impacts people's lives. That really is our heart. Uh, and our theme this year for our Christmas at Liberty series is the Lamb of God. And I've been pastor now for 31 years, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, this is going to be the most unique Christmas message I've ever preached in 31 years of ministry. Uh, because what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to take a biblical look at Jesus, the Lamb of God. And we're going to look at Jesus, the Lamb, as He was born in the manger. And then we're going to look in the book of Revelations at Jesus, the Lamb of God, and see the Lamb of God and the soon coming King of glory. And so this series is really going to be as much of an end time study as it is going to be a Christmas study. And we're going to see kind of some, some interesting insights connecting Jesus the Lamb that was born in a manger and Jesus the Lamb that's going to usher in some amazing things that are going to happen in the end of the age. Now, I always like to say this when I talk about end time events. I am not an end time scholar. I am a pastor. I am a student of the Word of God. And I do not by any means uh, believe that I have a monopoly or a uh, unique insight into end time events. But I do have a perspective of end time events that I believe are rooted in the truth of Scripture. And we're going to look at those things today. And I hope, my prayer, is that there's really going to be a shift that's going to happen. What I have seen many times when you talk to Christians about end time events, many Christians almost become fearful. Uh, many Christians even say stuff like this. I've heard people say, Pastor Keith, I don't even read the book of Revelations because it's so intimidating and it's so overwhelming. I want to remove that fear. My prayer is that we are going to strip away that fear that is rooted in a false perception of end time events. And we're going to see with clarity what God is doing in the end times. And we're going to see the heart of God. We're going to see the purpose of God. And we're going to see the plan of God to ultimately bring redemption to the entire world. And hopefully what's going to happen, instead of us being intimidated by fear, my prayer is that we're going to be activated by faith to begin to do the things that God has called us to do. This is a pivotal moment. This is a strategic time in history. And if you're watching anything that's happening with Israel, anything that's happening in the Middle East, it is not hard to recognize if you read your Bible, these are the birth pains leading into the end time events that are going to usher in the soon coming King of Glory. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so we're going to really dive into that over the next few weeks and look at some comparison thoughts as Jesus is the Lamb of God. So look with me in John chapter 1 verse 29. This is the story of Jesus' baptism. And the Bible says this, And the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And the next day John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Y'all say that with me. Behold the Lamb of God. Amen. So look at that first point or our first thought on our outline. Jesus as the Lamb of God offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He purchased our salvation and he redeemed us from the power of sin and Satan. Now over the next few weeks we're going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that because those truths that we just conveyed in that simple thought really do portray what Jesus did as the Lamb of God when He came the first time. 
when he came as a baby in a manger, wrapped in flesh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he lived and he died and he rose again, we see that Jesus, the Lamb of God at his first coming, offered himself a sacrifice, purchased our salvation, and redeemed us from the power of sin and Satan. How many of you know that we're not victims, we're victors? Come on, somebody. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us, and we are overcomers in him. And so we're going to dive into that. But let me just be honest with you. I think the truth is most Christians kind of have a general, pretty good understanding of those things. Most Christians kind of understand the sacrifice that Jesus made. Most Christians kind of understand we, that he purchased our salvation. Most Christians kind of understand what it means to be redeemed from sin and Satan, at least to, to some degree. There's always a greater depth, and we're going to hopefully take that to another depth of understanding. But here's, here's what I recognize. As I was studying this, the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me. He said, Keith, the average Christian, most Christians, many Christians do not have an understanding of Jesus, the Lamb of God, at his second coming. We have a pretty good understanding of what Jesus the Lamb of God did at his first coming. But we struggle to understand what Jesus the Lamb of God will do at his second coming. And so our prayer is that through this study we're going to get a revelation of what that looks like. So look at that next point on your outline. So Jesus as the Lamb of God will also usher in the great tribulation. He will usher in the rapture of the church, the millennial reign, the final judgment, and a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we're going to dive deeper into those truths over the next few weeks. We're going to look specifically at those things. Today, we're going to look specifically at how that Jesus, the Lamb of God, will usher in the great tribulation upon the earth. Because here's a revelation for us today. Most people, when they think about the great tribulation, they think that the devil's having his heyday on the earth. And nothing could be further from the truth. The great tribulation is not the devil having his heyday on the earth. The great tribulation is God implementing his final plan of redemption to redeem the earth and bring salvation full circle from the Jews to the Gentiles to the Jews again. And when you begin to understand that the great tribulation is not a time where the devil's running rampant and doing anything he wants to do, but you begin to recognize that the great tribulation is being orchestrated and administrated from heaven by the Lamb of God who is working all things together for his good and for our redemption. And we're going to see that today. Before we look at that thought, I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. We're going to read a whole lot of scripture today. And we say this a lot at Liberty Church is a good place to read the Bible. Can I get an amen? amen? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. For the highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide. For the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I want you to hear what Jesus said. Jesus said, the road to hell is broad and wide, and many there be, he says, who have chosen that path. What does that mean? It means that our world is going to hell. That word many, many there be that choose that path, that word many in the Greek literally means the majority. This is what Jesus says. The majority of the people on planet earth are on the road to hell. The majority of the people on planet earth are on a road and a pathway that is not leading them to heaven and not leading them to God. It's leading them to eternal death and damnation and separation from the Lord. And we need to grab that church. We need to grab the reality that we are living in a world that is headed to hell. We have a job, we have a responsibility, we have an opportunity. And when you begin to understand end time events and you begin to see, hey, these things are unfolding and we are living at the end of the age, all of a sudden it should do something within us. It should make us look at a world that is going to hell and be broken and be grieved and be motivated and be activated, not to be intimidated by what might come, but to be activated by what we know is coming. And to reach out into a world that is going to hell. And then Jesus says, and narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And the word few literally means minority. The few are going to find it. 
And the realization is the heart of God is that whosoever will would be saved. The heart of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And my prayer is that as we understand these end time events and we eradicate the fear that paralyzes us and we activate faith that engages us to reach our world with the gospel, I pray that God will do amazing things as Liberty Church will usher in an end time harvest that will change our world. If you haven't realized it already, our world is living under an antichrist system. Our world is living under an antichrist system. The governments of this world are not the government of God. The government of God, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The government of this world is manipulation and rebellion and pride and deception and murder and intimidation. You look at how governments rule, and they rule through manipulation and deception. You look at how governments rule, not just America, all around the world, and they rule through pride and arrogance. They rule through force and dominion. They rule through, through manipulation and, and, over, and oppression as they take over the hearts and lives of people. We are living in a world under the sway, according to the, the Apostle John. Our whole world lies under the sway or the influence of the devil, the evil one. We are living in an antichrist world. And if the church doesn't tell people about Jesus, who is? When Jesus was 12 years old, you know what Jesus said? I must be about my father's business. As we understand end time events, my prayer is that it activates us to be about our father's business. That we understand that when we shine as a light of the darkness, as we are the salt and the light of the earth, we have an opportunity to change our world. At least one soul, one heart, one family, one life at a time. And what an honor and what a privilege, but what a sobering reality that God has entrusted to us. Look at that next point. I want to drive this just a little deeper, if that wouldn't. Deep enough. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And He has reconciled us to the Father and given us the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Are there any new creations in the house today? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that you got a brand new life in Jesus? Aren't you glad you got born again? Aren't you glad you're not who you used to be? You got a new heart and a new life, and you got a new passion and a new purpose, and you've been born again. And I am now a new creation in Christ. Look what he says, that very next verse. He said, in all of this, this gift, this, this transformation of getting a brand new life, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. God has given us this task. Let me rephrase that. The job description of every Christian is to bring others to God. That's your task. That's your job description, to bring other people to God. And I said it a moment ago. I'm going to say it again. If not the church, then who? Hollywood's not bringing people to God. The government's not bringing people to God. The educational systems aren't bringing people to God. If not the church, then who? God has given us the task of bringing people, reconciling people to the Father through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at that next verse. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us, look at this phrase, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know what we've been given through the gospel? We've been given a wonderful message of reconciliation. Many times Christians feel like when they're sharing the gospel, it's almost like bad news. 
Right? If I, if I tell people about Jesus, I, if I tell them about repenting, if I, you know, I'm almost like giving them bad news. If people really don't want to hear the bad news of the gospel. No, the word gospel means good news. It's a wonderful message of reconciliation. It's a wonderful message that says, you know what? You're, lo you're lost and you're dead in your sins, but you can turn to Christ and he's paid the penalty for your sins. He was a sacrifice for your sin. He purchased your salvation. He wants to set you free from the stronghold of sin and Satan and liberate you and give you a brand new life. Man, that's wonderful. Hey, I can begin again. I can be forgiven, I can be free, I can be whole, I can be healed, I can be delivered, I can be rescued, I can be restored and reconciled to the Father. That doesn't get any better than that. So why are we intimidated to share it? Why are we intimidated to share the good news? Why are we intimidated to invite people to church? Why are we intimidated to talk about the hope of the gospel that we have in Jesus Christ. I tell you, it's because we've believed the lie of the enemy. Somehow we've allowed the devil to turn the wonderful message of salvation into the bad news of you got to come to Jesus. Man, there's nothing bad about it. It is the best news that any person could ever have. And the greatest act of love that you could ever share with any human being is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How dare you say you love somebody and never share the gospel with them? That is the exact opposite of love. To know that you have the remedy for the ultimate problem, to know that you hold the solution for their eternal soul, and to withhold that information, how is that love? It would be like having the cure for cancer and going through the hospital where the cancer ward is and looking at those people and saying, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Boy, it's nice to see you. Did you hear about the weather? Oh, yeah, Alabama won the SEC. Did you see that yesterday? Boy, wasn't that awesome what happened? And, oh, did you see? What are you going to do next week? How dare you walk through the cancer ward with a cure for cancer and talk about football? How, how dare we? Walk through the cancer ward with a cure for cancer and talk about the weather. And talk about our job and talk about our new truck and our new car and our new house and our bigger boat. And our dream vacation. I'm not mad, but I am very passionate about the idea that we have so been deceived that somehow we have been intimidated by the good news. We've been intimidated to share the good news of the gospel. And we talk about everything except the one thing that every person on planet earth needs. They need the gospel. And we don't have to shove it down their throat. And we don't have to carry a Bible and beat them over the head. But we have to love people enough to speak the truth in love. We have to love people enough to share the message of the gospel. If they reject it, they reject it. If they reject us, they reject us. If they turn away, if they walk away, then they turn away and they walk away. But our hands will be clean and there will be no blood on our hands because we warned the wicked and gave them an opportunity to know Jesus. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I told you all this is not your normal Christmas message. Come on. <laughs> look, what he rest, look what else he says. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through who? Through us. And if not us, then who? And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so we could be made right with God through Christ. How beautiful, how wonderful, what a wonderful message. He who never sinned became the offering for our sin so we could be reconciled to God. What a wonderful, beautiful message of salvation that every person on planet earth needs. And the more, the more we understand end time events, the more we will move from a place of intimidation to a place of activation where we begin to shine the light of Christ in a world 
lost in darkness. And my prayer is that we'll get a greater understanding even today of those truths. So look at this next point. Jesus, the Lamb of God, when He came the first time, brought peace and goodwill to all men. The Savior had been born. Salvation had now come to the whole world. Luke chapter 2, the, the Christmas story. Here's a little segment from that story. Look what it says. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I want to stop there. When I was studying this, the Holy Spirit paused me right there. He said, Keith, the message of the angels at the birth of Christ when the Lamb of God came for the first time is the message of the angels when the Lamb of God comes the second time. To the church, he says, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by end time events. Don't be intimidated by those things that are coming on the earth. Be prepared. Be alert. Be aware. But don't be intimidated. Don't cower in fear. Don't run and hide. Don't pull back and stick your head in the sand and say, I can't even bear to think about it. No. Press in. Press into God. Press into His Word. Press into His truth. Begin to see Jesus, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. So when Jesus, the Lamb of God, came the first time, He brought good news. Look what it says. And the angel said, Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. It's not unusual that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would be born in a stable and laid in a manger because that's where lambs are born. And it's not unusual that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would be announced. That the first people God would announce the birth of His Son to were shepherds watching over their sheep by night. Why? Because He is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God has come. And when Jesus was born, I want you to hear this. When Jesus was born, Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection were a pivotal, a, a a key moment in God's redemptive plan. As a matter of fact, everything in the Old Testament led to that one thing. Every prophecy in the Old Testament of redemption and salvation hinged on one thing. A Messiah had to be born. A virgin had to give birth to the Son of God. And when the Lamb of God was born and laid in a manger, it was a pivotal part of God's redemptive plan. That what God began in the genesis of time was now in a strategic moment. It was coming together. From Genesis to the Gospel of Matthew, everything, everything in the Old Covenant was leading up to that one moment where the Lamb of God would be born. And when he was born, it was a message of goodwill and peace to all mankind. Do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy. Why? Because now salvation has come to the world. Prior to the birth, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, salvation was of and for the Jews. Jesus actually said that in John 4 to the woman at the well. Salvation is of the Jews. Salvation began with the Jewish people. But when Jesus was born, the Lamb of God came into the earth. All of those Old Testament prophecies were brought into a place of fulfillment because now the Lamb was God. The Messiah, the Lamb of God was here. The Messiah was here. And do you realize the first prophecy given over Jesus when he was born, it was Simeon the prophet in the temple. Do you know what he said? Part of his prophecy was this. He says, behold, this child is a light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. 
His first prophecy after being physically born declared the revelation of what had just happened. Salvation had now come to the Gentiles. That's me and you guys. That's good news. (laughs) And all of a sudden, what was started with the Jews now was revealed to all humanity. For God so loved the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in His sight. And Jesus came as the Lamb of God to bring peace and goodwill. And we are now living in what is called the time of the Gentiles. We are now living in the church age under a dispensation of grace. Where right now, think about this, right now the majority of the people coming to Christ are not Jews, they're Gentiles. The vast majority of people that are accepting Jesus today are not Jews, they are Gentiles. Why? Because we are living in the church age. We're living in the age of the Gentiles where God has opened the door for you and I to enter in to His saving grace. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. But now let's go to the end. Let's flip the coin. Jesus, the Lamb of God, at His first coming, brought peace and goodwill to all men. Look at that next point. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, will usher in the great tribulation, bringing judgment on the whole world. When the Lamb of God in the beginning, when He was born, He brought peace and goodwill to the whole world. When He comes again, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is going to usher in what is called the great tribulation, which is going to bring judgment on the entire world. And let me just tell you, there is no one that is qualified to judge the earth other than Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, the Father has committed all judgment to me because I do not seek my own will, but I seek the will of the Father who sent me. So I want you to look with me in the book of Revelations chapter 5. We're going to read the entire chapter, 14 verses, and I hope when you go home, I hope you read chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11, and keep reading till you get to the end of the book. I hope that many of you are going to read the book of Revelations maybe for the first time with a new revelation of the Lamb of God. Because when we see Him for who He is, we understand these things in the context of His glory. Revelations 5 verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or even to look upon it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, for behold, The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. The elders said, Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. But when John looked, you know what John saw? He didn't see a lion, he saw a lamb. Because the lion is the lamb. And the lamb is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he saw a lamb that was slain, Jesus. Look at the next verse. Or let's read the rest of that verse. And there stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he, the lamb, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. That's God the Father. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us to be kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. We're going to talk about that later. You've redeemed us with your blood. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals. Look at the next verse. And then I looked and heard 
the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 times thousands of thousands. That's redneck for a whole lot of people. <laughs> and saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if you go to Revelation chapter 6, which you can read when you get home, you find out that the Bible says the Lamb. The Lamb of God breaks the first seal, sets in motion what we call the Great Tribulation. Why? Because the Great Tribulation is not about the devil having his way on the earth. The Great Tribulation is about God implementing the final act of redemption and salvation for the entire world. I'm going to explain that a little bit more in just a second. But the Bible says that the Lamb, Jesus, opens the first seal. And then the Lamb opens the second seal. And then the Lamb opens the third seal. And then the Lamb opens the fourth seal. And then the Lamb opens the fifth seal. And then the Lamb opens the sixth seal. And then the Lamb opens the seventh seal. And the seventh seal releases seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets sound. And when the last trumpet sounds, the seven vials or bowls of God's wrath are poured out upon the earth. Each of those seven things represent what will happen in the seven years of tribulation upon the earth. They are the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy of the 70th week of Daniel. Where God will bring ultimate final redemption to the earth by redeeming the nation of Israel. And all of a sudden we see Jesus, the Lamb of God ushering in this last act of redemption. Look at this next point, or last one today. All end time events are rooted in redemption. All end time events are rooted in redemption. In Revelation 13 verse 8, the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. Think about that. The Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. Why? Because God knew in the beginning what it was going to cost Him to be in relationship with me and you. God knew the price that would have to be paid for our salvation and for our redemption. And in the genesis of time, God knew that Jesus would be the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world because he knew what it was going to take to have a loving relationship with his creation. He created us in his image and in his likeness with the desire, think about this, for a love relationship. Christianity is not religion. It's not rules that we follow. It is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And you can't have a loving relationship unless you give people a choice. If I can't choose, then I can't love. If I don't have a choice but to love you, how many know that's not love? I've got to have a choice. And God knew that man's choice, man's free will was going to open the door for sin and Satan. It was going to create chaos and confusion. But God saw the beginning from the end. And he looked at me and you. And he said, you're worth it. Think about that. You're worth it. God desires to spend eternity in a loving relationship with you. Even though he knew it was going to cost him the life of his son. Even though he knew the grief that he would endure. Even though he knew the price he would have to pay. The truth is, all of us, we, we all live with limited information. And, and we go through hard times and we go through difficult times. And, and we don't see the end of that pain. We don't see the end of that struggle. But many of us now today can look back on our lives and we can see hard times and difficult times. And we might say, I would never want to go through that again. But we would also say, but I would not trade it for anything. 
God looked at the end. And he said, you're worth it. Redemption and salvation and relationship with you, with his creation, is worth it. And when you read the Bible, you read the Revelations, Ezekiel, you read Daniel, you read end time events. Yes, there's a lot of chaos, there's destruction, there's famine, there's death, there's disease, there's pain, there's plagues, there's murder. There's all kinds of horrible things. But I want you to hear me. The heart of the tribulation is not destruction. It's redemption. God is setting in motion as the Lamb breaks that first seal. He sets in motion what would be the final act of redemption on the earth as we know it. And here's the purpose. Look at the rest of that statement. The great tribulation brings to an end the time of the Gentiles. When he breaks the seal, there's, there's a transition. There's a beginning. God is going to finish what he started. He started salvation with the Jews. He's going to finish it with the Jews. And that doesn't mean that a Gentile can't get saved during the Great Tribulation, but it means that the emphasis is going to shift. And now the gospel is going to go to the Jews so that they can experience Christ. Three things you read in the book of Daniel that are significant to all end time events. This is what he says. God's final redemption is going to be for the Jews, the nation of Israel, and the city of Jerusalem. Those three things are pivotal to what God is going to do. That final act of redemption is going to be to finish what he started in the garden. And what he started with the Jews with Father Abraham. God set them apart as a nation to birth the Messiah that would save the world. But he's going to accumulate and finish his work with the redemption of the children of Israel. It began with the Jews. It'll end with the Jews. And the Gentiles were the cream in the middle. Can somebody say Oreo? <laughs> I'm glad we're in the cream. Amen. I want you to look with me in the book of Romans, chapter 11. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? Y'all got a few more minutes? I'm going to wrap it up with this. I want you to see this. Romans 11, verse 7 through 15. The Apostle Paul says this. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have. The chosen, the ones God has chosen. But the hearts of the rest of them were hardened. So Paul is telling us that during this time, right now, this time of the Gentiles, this church age, this dispensation of grace, very few Jews are coming to Christ. It's really the Gentiles that are being brought into the kingdom. He says, and the rest of them, their hearts were hardened. Verse 8. As the scripture says, God has put them into a deep sleep. And to this day he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bountiful table be a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent over forever. So he's describing the fact that the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, have been blinded for us. They've been blinded. With a deaf ear and a hardened heart so that we, the Gentiles, could be saved. In John chapter 1, the Bible says of Jesus, He came to His own and His own received Him not. They rejected the Lamb of God so we could receive the Lamb of God. Verse 11, He says, But did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles, think about this, listen to this. If the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. If we were enriched, if salvation came to the Gentiles because the Jews rejected Christ, think about how glorious it's going to be when they accept Christ. The Bible says during that time of the tribulation, they're going to see him whom they pierced. 
and they're going to repent and they're going to turn to God. And the Jewish people are going to embrace Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And when that comes, this great tribulation period, this end of the age, it's going to bring a greater blessing. A greater blessing than anything we have ever known before. That's a powerful thought, guys. He goes on, look what he says. He says, I am saying all of this, especially to you Gentiles. For God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles, and I stress this, for I want some, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so that I might save some of them. Let, let me tell you right now what's happening. Let me give you a, a little praise report. Right, what's happening right now in Israel? Liberty Church has given $17,000 to Israel. Come on, give the Lord praise. We've given $17,000 to a local church. Pastor Israel is his name, to a local church in Israel. And with that $17,000, guess what we've been doing? Not only have we been providing physical provision for the Jewish people and even for the soldiers that are fighting, but as a result of that, what is happening is we have been opening the eyes of the Jewish people because this is what's happening right now in Israel those individuals that are receiving all this aid this support we're feeding their families we're caring for their children and that local church in Israel is telling them all of this money is coming from Christians Christians are feeding your family Christians are caring for your children Christians are providing resources for your soldiers so they have food Christians are doing this and you know what's happening it's opening their eyes we are playing a part we are playing a significant part in what is going God is doing in the end time and God's not only changing Arab and Holly Pond but Israel is being changed by your generosity and your prayers And God is provoking the hearts of the nation of Israel, preparing them for what is to come. He goes on in verse 15. He says, For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who are dead. Tribulation is not the devil having his way. The tribulation is the Lamb of God breaking the seal on the final act of redemption to finish what he started. And that is to redeem the nations of the world beginning with and ending with the Jewish people. And today we don't have to be intimidated by end time events. Is there going to be persecution and tribulation? Yes. Are there going to be challenges and difficulties? Yes. Are we going to probably face some things maybe we've never faced before? Yes. But are we prepared through Christ? Yes. Through Christ, we are ready to bring in that end time harvest. Through Christ, we are positioned to make that appeal to the world and say, come back to God. Man, this is our moment. This is our time. This is not the time to shrink back. This is a time to press in. And as Isaiah said, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, I just envisioned him lifting his hand and saying, Lord, here am I. God said, who are we going to send? Who is going to go for us? And Isaiah said, hey, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Send. Send me. What would happen if every person at Liberty Church said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me to my family. Send me to my job. Send me to my community. And Lord, maybe even send me to the nations. But Lord, here am I. Send me. I want to be a light in the darkness. I want to be an ambassador for Christ. And I want to speak for God when I say, come back to Jesus. What a powerful, powerful thing.
I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to go into a final song of worship. I want our prayer team to come. I want to open the altar up this morning. And I just want to challenge you today. Maybe, maybe you've been living with an intimidation factor. Maybe you've been intimidated by, by some end-time thoughts and ideas. I want, to, I want to encourage you today. Today is not a day of intimidation. Today is a day of activation. And maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I, I want to be like Isaiah. I, I, want to, I want God to send me. I, I want to be a voice of truth. I want to be a light in the darkness right here in my world. I don't have to go around the world. If God sends me around the world, I'll go. But I, I really just got to go home. And I really just got to go to work. And I really just got to go out into my community and be a light for Christ. And I want to be activated today. I, I want to be released with a fresh anointing to do what God's called me to do. If that's you... I want you just to come. I want our prayer teams. They're just going to pray just an activation over you today. And, and if you just want to be active, I want to be sent out today. God, I, I want to be that person. Then just come. And, and our prayer teams, we just want to pray a simple prayer of activation. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, maybe I'm just struggling with some fear. Or I'm, I'm just struggling. Maybe there's some things going on in my family and I've been distracted by all the problems that we're facing. Let me tell you something. God's a problem solver. And if you need prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you about any situation going on in your life. So whether you need activation or whether you just need prayer for things that are happening in your life, the altar is open. And this is your moment right now just to come. As we go into this last song of worship, let's worship the King this morning. today, every head bowed, every eye closed, the altar is still open if you need prayer this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, 
I am afraid. I'm afraid of eternity. I'm afraid of facing God. I'm afraid of what it means to stand before the Lord because you know this morning that you're not a Christian. You've never accepted Christ. You've lived life your way. You've done your own thing. I'm not saying you're a bad person. You may be a a very moral person, but you know that you are living your life without Christ. And you've never truly repented of your sins and turned to God through His Son. And today you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I I don't want to face that day with fear. I want to face that day with anticipation, knowing that there's a greater glory awaiting me because Jesus is the Lord of my life. And so if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be saved. I want to accept Christ. I want you just to raise your hand. Just slip it up right now all over this building. His hands are going up right now. Just raise your hand. We're going to pray together in just a moment. If you're watching online, you can can type in, I'm raising my hand. You can hit that hand emoji. If you raise your hand, our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. They're going to give you something that we want to help you to take that next step. But his hands are raised right now. This is your moment. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to accept the Lamb of God who paid the price for my salvation, forgives me of sins, and gives me a brand new life today. I don't want to be who I was. I want to be who God is calling me to be. So right now, for those of you that raised your hands and those of you watching online, I want everybody in this room, let's just say this prayer together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family of God. If you got a packet this morning, on the front of that is a card. I'd love for you to fill that out. Give that to an usher before you leave. And I personally would love to follow up with you and help you take those next steps. We love you so much. We're so thankful for you. How many of you know we are being activated for the kingdom? Come on, somebody. God is raising us up and sending us out. God bless you guys. We love you.